0: The Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship.
1: And now, your host, Jared Van Heese. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Heese, and we're here to become better habitat managers. Guys, Merry Christmas to everyone. We have a great part two episode with Skip Sly out of Iowa. All things timber stand improvement. So, if you like last week's episode, this is going to round out our conversation with Skip. I enjoyed the heck out of last week. Um, a bunch of great tips and tricks and experience from Skip. Uh, and it's very relative to this time of the year, right? Time to fire up those chainsaws. Deer season is almost done. And now it's habitat season, my favorite time of the year. I just want to thank everybody for coming back to another episode of the Habitat Podcast. We are here to become better habitat managers together. <coughs> Excuse me. And I appreciate Skip for this awesome part two episode of the discussion on TSI. Guys, if you like the content we are leaving out there for you for free, please let us know at Habitat Podcast on Apple iTunes. Uh leaving great reviews up there will get you a free podcast decal, a five-inch decal sent your way. Matter of fact, Tony emailed me info at habitatpodcast.com looking for his free decal. Tony left us a review yesterday. Listen to several podcasts over the past two to three years. They touch on several topics with great content, information, and knowledge. They're not afraid to ask questions or admit they don't know at all. The podcast is not an infomercial for services or products. They're sponsored by Tony 10875 Michigan really appreciate your five-star review. Thank you so much. Five star, I'm sorry. Five inch habitat podcast decal coming your way. We have another one here from cool Hand Luke 304 left on the 19th. I've been listening to the Habitat podcast on and off for years. I love how relatable these guys are. It's like sitting with my hunting buddies, listening to them ramble on about any one of 100 topics. <laughs> we sure do ramble, buddy. I especially appreciate the focus on smaller properties. They frequently discuss properties under 100 acres, which is where most of us are at. Keep it up. Would like to hear more about big timber hunting. Luke, thank you so much for the five star review, my friend. Hit me up with your information. We'll get you a decal sent your way and love the feedback about some big timber hunting. Love the feedback uh, and, and kind of the request for another topic here while you left us a review. That's awesome. If you guys have any feedback you want to leave us, you want to uh, some topics to, to discuss in the future, either leave us a review on here. Um you can email us info at habitatpodcast.com or our habitat chat group on Facebook, Habitat Chat is a great spot to leave feedback or maybe some ideas, some discussion, uh, some topic ideas for the future. Here's one more by Mississippi 1321, Best Podcast. Just started listening to this. It's the best habitat podcast I have found, learning a lot that I need to do in my place here in Mississippi. Thank you so much, Mississippi 1321. Really appreciate those three brand new reviews this week. Thank you, guys. We really do appreciate it. Guys, I just want to, before we get in this episode, wish you all a very Merry Christmas. You know, I want to just think and, and relate and reflect back on, you know, the true meaning of Christmas, right? You know, we're celebrating Jesus Christ, um, really just about the, the birth of God's son and how he came to be love, hope, joy. And, and I just urge you guys to sit back this week um, and just reflect on, you know, what you have, what's in front of you and celebrate, you know the birth of Jesus and just the true meaning here. So um, Merry Christmas to you all. We will be back again with another episode soon. And, um, you know, I just want to thank you guys for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. One last thing, if you are like me and you are not done Christmas shopping yet, four days before Christmas um, gift cards on a lot of our partner websites are still available instantly. So for instance, Packer Max, Vitalize Seed, Uh, All these all these websites, guys, our partners have gift cards available. You can buy electronically and have them emailed to the person in mind. So, you know, we really appreciate our partners on this show and we'd appreciate it if you guys would support those who support us. So if you are looking for a last minute gift idea for the Habitat manager in mind or an idea for someone to maybe get you last minute, check them out. All of our partners are listed below and uh, tell them Habitat podcast sent you. All right, guys, I want to get into it. A couple words from our partners here, and we'll be back with Skip Sly, part two, TSI. Introducing downburst seeders. Guys, downburst seeders deliver precision small seed spreading for all of your food plot and screening needs. They are lightweight, durable, and easy to maneuver. I met Doug up at his house, and we tested a downburst seeder in his garage, reweighed the amount of seed, did the math, and they are extremely accurate. If you're trying to plant small seeds, clovers, brassicas, rape. You know, it takes a guesswork on a cover cropping. I mean, the proper seed rate for alfalfa, switchgrass, any other small seeds. Check them out today at downburstseeders.com. We do have a code if you're a Habitat podcast listener. There's HP10. Eliminate the seed waste. It's ground wheel driven. Very accurate. Very light. Aluminum. Can throw it in the bed of your truck. Check them out, guys. We already have listeners purchasing these products. Doug at downburstseeders.com will be happy to answer any questions you have. They are literally a piece of art made here in northern Michigan.
0: Skip, getting back to when you're cutting those trails through uh, the tops and uh, all the down trees, are you making them a certain width and kind of what's your strategy uh, for laying out the trails through that?
2: Mm, I would say for me, not, not a right or wrong. Maybe they're mm, four or five, six feet wide just so I, and I'll notice it. I'll notice if they're using them, if I make them too narrow or something and I'm like, huh, not a lot of deer trails through here, then I just make them wider. So I don't necessarily have a exact width in mind, but I do want them where I can be at point A and look a long distance to point B so I can see a clear escape. I want a straight line. I don't want it to be like weaving through and changing direction. Cause then you can't see through it. I, I, I want a deer to be able to see through it at some point. So they know they mm-hmm. can escape wide enough for a visual, a visual uh, end to it. So the deer's like, yep, I can get out of there and just wide enough. So they're comfortable. And, you know, I've seen it like with food plots or anything where, where guys try to pinch deer down into these tiny little spots once in a while it works but i i like giving them bigger you know gaps. well that just forces them in there Yeah, mature bucks i watch these things they do they don't like that they they usually go around the the does and the small bucks will do will play into that trap but the mature bucks no 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 not the way to go so I want them to have a lot of escape options. I want to give them actually some odds in their favor um, and give them more entries out. And um, yeah, I mean, and it's not about my hunting situation even it's about having a buck that wants to live there. Even if that cut, I'm not even hunting next to it. I want him to be comfortable living there. And if I'm just trying to pinch him at all these spots every time or You know, trying to get him to force through these one opening here, maybe one opening there, he's not going to like that as well. It might help. I might think I'm helping my hunting, but I'm really not because then the bucks won't prefer my farm or that area nearly as much. So anything that I can make a buck or a deer feel more, feel safer, like they have things to their advantage, I will do that in my timber on purpose. And it's just like planting food plots, you know, in the center of my farm that I'll never hunt. It's just a safe place for them. It's a freebie meal. I'm never going to hunt there. I want the deer to live on my farm and to say this is safe. It's a good place to be. I'm not getting messed with all the time. Um, it has nothing to do with my hunting, really. It's just creating a safe environment for a mature buck. Yeah, I'd,
1: I'd agree with you. You have to give some of the farm, if not a lot of the farm, to to the deer. Uh, back Back to your comment there about you're being able to see a distance and, and not feel trapped, know their way out or not pinching them down too tight. Um, if you had to put a, a number on that, and maybe this is a a Michigan thing versus an Iowa thing. I have no idea. Is there a difference? Um, like how tighter would you recommend pinching them? And how far do you recommend they can see? Because I know sometimes, you know, in Michigan, you don't want them to see too far. They Maybe, you know, maybe it's too open. So what, yeah. what's your thought on that?
2: Yeah, you you can't see real far through my timber. So okay. if you generally yeah. look through my timber and, and a lot of Michigan timber, Iowa's Iowa's pretty similar to this. Okay. You'll see this open timber up here that I mean you could you could hit golf balls through it and see your right. golf ball two hundred yards away. I mean, it's wide open. That is a problem. That is not good. It's not good in Michigan. It's not good in Iowa. And we, we have the same problem in both regions. That's a Midwest. I mean, that's anywhere deer live problem. I mean, when you go into my woods, it's thick. It's nasty, nasty thick. And I don't want these bucks to actually be able to see each other either. I want them to have to search for does. I don't want them. I don't want them one on one ridge, looking at the other ridge and saying, "Hey, you're over there," and they're going to want to fight. So, my woods, when you get down, is really thick. But their travel routes, which you know, if they're looking different directions, it's thick. But their travel routes are are pretty clear. And they have pretty, you know, it's very maneuverable for them to get around the farm. Um, And I might trash, you know, I say trash, but do timber stand improvement on like 50 acres. And it's a thick mess throughout that 50 acres in some variations, some thicker than others. And then I might take my mulcher through there or my chainsaw and just make a path kind of, you know, where where I know a, a buck could cover that whole 50 acres if he's checking it during the rut throughout the 50 acres and, Um, it might just be one or two paths in there, you know, so they can freely travel and the rest you're like, Whoa, that is thick. But I, I just, I never want it to get so thick that you're like, nothing can get through there. And, you know, the most extreme example I have of that, it'd be like, I've got cedar patches on my farm that are so they grew, they grew into each other. And I mean, a rabbit can hardly get through it. And that's what I've been doing with my forestry mulcher. Um, is I'll go open that up so things can get through there. And there's literally no deer tracks, nothing can use it. And, you know, this is stuff that I'm just late to the game on fixing and, but I'm fixing it. Um, so I'll, I'll even thin that out a lot, but I still want to keep those cedars. Uh, but you know, instead of having, you know, a thousand cedars in one acre, there really needs to be like a hundred cedars in one acre or whatever, you know, so I just, a lot of thinning down. Uh, So that's a loaded question, but, but in, to go back to your original point, that open timber that everyone here listening to this can visualize, that needs to be fixed. You visualize it in your head. I know anybody listening to this right now, they're thinking of this open timber with very little brows underneath it. It's shaded out. You could, you could, I mean, you can see hundreds and hundreds of yards through it that is not ideal that needs to be fixed immediately absolutely positively immediately and that's a variation of things to fix it but absolutely what you have in your mind right now needs to be changed 100 percent. well
1: said but man i'm looking at the new 40 acres i just i just purchased and i'm looking at a trail camera picture while you're talking just shaking my head like yep 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 like it's <laughs> so bad it's just driving me nuts over here i don't even want to go hunt it it's like oh it needs to just get get caught okay so here, here's a question while we're on the tsi stuff how many farms when you buy them um rough percentage need need to have tsi work on?
2: 100 percent. i've never seen one that didn't wow and i bought farms they're like man i did really good tsi and i get there and i'm like with all due respect, this is crap. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's,
2: well, it's, it's a joke.
1: It's it's a great point though. You make a, a huge point. Like we we tell all of our our listeners and even some of our consulting clients. Like we've been on how many properties, and I've probably been on one that maybe they could use more trees. Like the yeah. rest are all need to be cut. Get a forest. Like to, you're yeah, preach it, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, just start doing something, you know. And everybody's like, well. Uh, I don't know how to do this extensive what he just talked about, which is lunacy. I understand that. That's like, you know, that's like (laughs) really intense stuff. Well, start basic. Start like, okay, here's the junk species on my farm. You know, like bitternut hickory, ironwood, whatever, whatever. Just figure it out what it is for your area. Like, if I cut this species of tree, it's not going to hurt anything. And start cutting some of that stuff. Sure. and and if you goof up a little bit, no big deal don't go but don't go cutting your white oaks and your walnuts and stuff like that uh, make sure you know what your good species are but but just start somewhere start cutting your junk and at least and sometimes I'll get a farm and I'm like man, I'm so I have so much work to do or it's a big farm um I'll just go through and i'll I'll just walk every hundred yards and I'll just pick. 10 junk trees here, 10 junk trees there and start, start creating structure. It doesn't take much time. So I would say a beginner, somebody who, man, I just picked up my first chainsaw. I barely learned how to run it. You know, pick smaller trees, pick junk species, learn what they are and start dumping some down. If you goof it up, it's not going to goof it up too badly at all. Um, Don't, don't go deforest the whole place. Don't go clear cut it, (laughs) but, but take some junk out uh, and create some structure and open some things up and, and you'll learn, you'll, then you'll come back and you'll be like, okay, now I want to do more crop tree release. And I want to really learn my, my premium quality trees and my mass producing trees and my, uh, high log value trees. And you know, that stuff comes with time. It, It took me years, years of learning that stuff. And now, I mean, it's, it's easy for me now, but that's because I've done it for decades over. And I've been on I I've probably been on thousands of farms throughout the Midwest. I mean thousands. And there's yeah, I mean, no, a hundred percent of them I've been on need need massive amounts of work. Massive. And so, I will make it I'll make one exception to that. Okay. I have seen it where guys like, dude, I was a maniac and I did timber stand improvement. Uh and it's a it's a mess. And I'm like, holy cow, this is thick, but so like, I've seen people like hinge cut, like three acre sections, all hinge. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> uh, you've got to fix that. Yeah. Um, so TSI done correctly. No, I've never, I've never seen a farm where it's even remotely close to finished. Um, and usually a lot of the TSI I see yikes, uh, it needs fixing, um, but I'm also very fussy though, too. So I would just say, don't worry about that part. I would just say, anybody listen, just get going, yeah. start cutting some things that you're not going to screw up. You're not going to make a hundred year mistake. Just cut some junk and get going. And like I said, at the beginning to get a forester out there. Um, and heck, if your first year you said, Hey, I spent a half day and five tanks of gas, you're still way ahead than way ahead of 99% of people out there who are mm-hmm. doing nothing.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Especially in, in some other States, you know, like, like where you're at. I mean, I know, I guess the, the circles we run in guys do this stuff, but you can still have decent deer hunting out in, in Iowa, Illinois, some of these other States without doing much. So some guys might not see the, all the merit in it, but start doing something i would i would 100% agree with that and and skip one more question on that subject when you're starting you know my my new property's flat as a pancake i know what to do there elevation where are you where are you cutting first on on a, a timber piece with elevation or or you know knobs knolls hills draws where are you starting
2: um i probably will walk in and cut every different section i'll probably cut an east-facing ridge, a south-facing ridge. Uh, I'll probably cut the top. I'll, I'll probably cut a top or cut a section of everything. Um, and then it, it might just be a little subjective. Like, you know, if I get into a property with like a lot of a lot of veneer walnuts, I might start there, you know, and free up the veneer walnuts just because that's a, you know, I'm not going to bring that back to deer hunting though. Um, for deer hunting value, I would say I would start on, uh, I would start on the most open sections of my timber. Um, that would be priority number one. Uh, I would make sure I cut some South facing ridge. I cut every facing ridge though, because there's times when a deer wants to cool down. Uh, it's too hot. Well, they don't want to be on a South facing ridge. They might want to be on a North facing. ridge. Um, so I want some of that too. Um, you know, I might, I might not spend so much time in like if I'm in an area with a lot of ravines or something, I might not be in like the super steep parts where they're not going to be anyway. Uh, You know, they're usually going to be bedding like in Iowa, for example, or pretty much anywhere I hunt, you know, they might be at the top of the hill. Generally they're down just a little bit where they're just like off a crest a little bit down. Uh, They're definitely usually not down in the bottom. So that's where I might start is like just, just down a little bit from the top of the hill and create some bedding areas there. Um, but yeah, I, I just never stop at one thing. I'm just, I'll cover everything really. And, you know, I, I instantly want some open areas so I can get the browse going. Um, the natural browse and, you know, massive tonnage in my timber for the deer to eat. Cause if they don't have that, uh, that's just another reason for a mature buck to leave. and, you know, like in Iowa, my buddies will be like, yeah, I have a um, cattle pasture farm with timber and there's cattle in it. There's no browse. Well, there's a mature buck in there. Okay, sure. I agree. But I've I've taken those farms where it's like, yeah, there was a mature buck in there. And later on, you're like, yeah, now there's eight mature bucks in there. I mean, just because one can live in there doesn't mean it's ideal. And something that's like eh, mediocre at best has a mature buck." could be infinitely better if it had all that natural browse all the bedding cover varieties of bedding cover uh higher mass production you know the thermal cover i mean all these these examples of timber just have so many problems and so many more reasons why a buck would leave now you know maybe it's the best in the area uh or maybe it can harbor a buck but it certainly doesn't mean um, it's even close to good so yeah one i, I mean literally a, a cattle pasture farm that holds one mature buck could oftentimes hold seven or eight had had they actually you know made it sure to the the peak of its capabilities
0: so skip you come in and you kind of start out like you said you know picking a couple different slopes and just taking a section out here and there. So when you come back to that in a year or two to evaluate that, are you kind of doing the same thing again? Or are there any clues that you're keying in on? Like, say, you might find a buck is starting to bed in a certain area or leaving lots of sign. Is there anything you're going to do differently to kind of improve that for situations like
2: that? Um, A lot of times I'll start making – if I make stuff really thick, I might start making some paths that direct them towards like a tree stand or something. Um, and, and then I might make it, uh, thicker in some areas if I'm like, yeah, it's not quite as thick as what I wanted, or I want more back cover or I don't know. It's just so subjective on all the different things that can go through my mind year two or year three. Um, and, you know, I'll go through there once in a while and say, Oh, the multiflower rose got really, really bad. And I might spend a day uh knocking that stuff out. And honestly, multiflower rose to me isn't certainly isn't a huge, huge deal. Bush honeysuckle, on the other hand, is a big deal. Um I'd agree, yeah. But I mean, if you walk in my timber, I've got spots that are like uh like we don't have very many shrubs in my region of Iowa. Well, back in Michigan we had a lot of places with shrubs. And i always thought that was really really cool deer habitat to have shrubs well i can take some of the fast growing oaks like a shingle oak in iowa and i can cut that that oak off and it will just form a shrub so i'll just top it off you know around knee level or something sometimes the deer will just you know eat it down like a, a stump mineral stump um and they will kill it but sometimes it'll get up and it'll literally look like shrubs so I might be the only piece of timber in Iowa that's like, whoa, he's got shrubs everywhere. Well, it's just oak trees. There's just these crazy looking shrubs. And if you don't like them and you want to cut them again later, you can. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and and sometimes, you know, some of those trees you, you thought you killed or you knocked them back to be stump sprouts, like to sprout up, maybe they get too tall again. You can go back and redo it. You know, oh, I cut that tree. It actually grew up into another tree and it doesn't take a whole lot of years for that tree to regenerate, to to shoot right back up and I might cut it back again. Um, But again, look at, you you know, when I go walk through my timber after two and three years after I cut it hard, like my hickory stumps, any of my stumps really, elm, I mean, those things, when they, when they put on that new growth and there's all the, all the nutrition in those sprouts, those deer are, are mowing it. I mean, they're just eating that thing down because it's so nutritious and clearly, I mean, I'm sure you guys understand that. I mean, that whole root system, putting all that nutrition and the sprouts and the new growth, I mean, the protein and the mineral rates and everything in there, uh, it's just insane. So having that is just, I mean, very few, I mean, they, that's very unique to offer them that. And it's like, you know, that's the best thing in a deer's diet pretty much. I mean, you know, all that, that that, um, mineral vitamin packed, protein packed, new browse that comes up is, is ideal, is ideal, um, nutrition for your deer, as well as, you know, all the forbs and legumes that are popping up too. Cause I mean, that's still going to be over half their diet and it's just vastly nutritious as opposed to being a deer desert before where they hardly had any of it.
3: It's a game changer. Have you ever been overwhelmed by the hundreds of food plot seed mixes out there? Well, you are not alone. And Vitalized Seed has developed a seed program that takes the guesswork out of food plotting. Vitalize Seed has two core mixes, the Nitro Boost and Carbon Load to keep it simple. Nitro Boost is their spring summer food plot mix and Carbon Load is the fall plot mix. Each having a diverse mix of over a dozen different seed types that are highly attractive to whitetail. Food plotting made simple, but it gets even better. Each mix provides necessary nutrients to the soil, making for better plots each season and saving you money by needing less roundup and less fertilizer each season. The 1-2 system simplifies your food plots just how nature intended. Vitalize Seed, make biology work for you. Order now at vitalizeseed.com.
1: If you guys are wondering if you should buy or sell property right now in Michigan, be sure to get a hold of Chad Thalen over at Midwest Lifestyle Properties. I've been friends with Chad for a long time. He's been a partner of the podcast for quite a few years now, and he just proves to be a resource to me over and over again. Chad has been helping me understand the real estate side of things answer any questions I have Help me see through some of the technical stuff that I might not be trained for in this in this area and just knows ground knows habitat programs to get stuff put it on your ground the government can pay for all around very knowledgeable guy over at Midwest lifestyle properties guys if you're looking to buy or sell a piece of recreational ground. I mean, he even sells ground with farms and and houses on it too. But if you're looking to buy a piece of ground or sell yours, give Chad a call. Chad is on Facebook at Chad Thalen, Land Specialist Midwest Lifestyle Properties. You can also find him on our website at Habitat Podcast. The market is still hot for rec properties, and I would call Chad right away to get your property listed and sold. If you're on the lookout for a brand new property, again, Chad has his fingers in a lot of different circles and can find a piece for you. Check him out, Chad Thalen, Midwest Lifestyle Properties on Facebook and at habitatpodcast.com.
0: Knives, machetes, saws and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy. With one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives we've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners too for just about everything for the outdoors check out midwayusa.com
4: this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Takovis is your stop for the best in western style Takovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer including men's and women's boots apparel hats bags and more
1: Skip if you're if you're gonna compare um, percentage of open canopy from when you start to when you're maybe more in a maintenance mode, how much canopy are, are you letting in? Like like oak savanna style, like clear cut, like select cut, and maybe there's different percentages. I should I should attach to each of those. But what's your what's your layman's term on that?
2: Um. My timber will change. One area will be like, you'll go to an acre area and you'll be like, oh my gosh, uh, there is 30, 40 trees on this acre. And then you might walk another 200 yards and be like, okay, there's 200 trees over here, you know, 10 times as many. Got it. And I, it's just, you know, there's half a canopy or, or three quarters and it's constantly changing. So, it's not like I could say, hey, have your whole timber be, you know, 75% open. I don't do it like that. I want successional changes all over. So one one acre over here might be like 90% open. Over there, it might be 50% open. Right, there, right over there, there might be a pocket that's 100% open. I just knocked it all down. And then there might be a little oak pocket over here where I'm like, hey, these are all great, well-formed oaks, and I only need to thin about you know, thirty percent of them. So it's you know whatever seventy percent is is canopied over. It's just constantly changing. So I would never do anything like a monoculture, like a like a one approach to the whole timber or or food plots or native grasses for that matter. I mean, we can go down this stuff for the rest of the whole farm. It the constant changes is what I want and what I think everybody should have. So just change it up constantly. Um, yeah and and that goes for heck that goes for my native grass fields um that goes to my food plots there's constant change constant diversity even in my food plots i don't i don't ever have just one food plot of one type i mean there's three or four different things planted in my food plots now is that practical for most people well it's actually pretty practical to have two or three things planted and there's a very simple way to do it so um Anything you do, I would just have more diversity. And that was a cliche I heard when I was younger. I'm like, oh gosh, you know, but it's so true. So true. Your tree plantings, your food plots, how you manage your timber, the species of trees you prioritize in your timber, you know, don't focus on one type of tree. Like, Oh, I just need to focus on white oak or just focus on walnut or something crazy like that. Diversity, tons of diversity. There's so many reasons for it that's that's
1: interesting i like that answer a lot you know we, everybody says diversity right but i like how we really dove in and, and kind of got your your outlook on what that really looks like um in terms of chainsaws what saws are you running when you're running five six saws Do you have a, a preference i'd be curious you know yeah, a little bit more yeah. detail
2: on, on what you're running cheap expensive I've, good bad yeah on- the minor mine um are uh like chainsaw as a beginner probably I wouldn't wanna use like some of my saw arsenals like steel two sixty ones um and they're they're modified a little bit, so like i I've cut for a long time, um okay. so these would take somebody's leg off, and I wear chaps, but they take your leg off in about a uh, quarter of a second, so I don't wanna see any peg legs out of there because of what <laughs> I say uh. But I run, um, I run the most aggressive chains I can get, and I'm I sharpen my own chains, and they're extremely sharp because I just want to be fast, efficient, and and anybody should run, always run a sharp chain. Second, that thing gets dull, swap it out. But I don't run safety chains, which um, for a new guy maybe that's a good idea. Uh, and heck, for a new guy, there's not one right answer here. Like I've ran. Um, Milwaukee and Dewalt electric chainsaws, nothing wrong with that. Go for it. I've run the little arborist chainsaws that are more for like pruning and stuff. If that's what you like, go for it. Now I've also ran like whatever. I mean, the uh, I don't even know what they, what model it'd be, but the biggest lumberjack. <laughs> steel saws they make. the farm farm boss yeah the farm sort of the heck those big steels are yeah my so my my saws are the pro saws the 261s are the professional saws and i even for a beginner that's not a bad way to go just because they're they're just heavier built like i remember i had an ms 250 and that thing i i kind of pulled a little bit and all these things would rip apart on it and it was just it was just a piece of garbage. And I'm insulting probably a lot of people right now. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was just a piece of junk. Well, the Pro Saws, you know, they have all this anti vibration stuff in there. And then they have a electronically adjusted carburetor. So I don't have to mess with carburation. And I don't, and if I run a certain type of fuel um or certain elevation changes or temperature, it just automatically adjusts. And it's just there's just wicked chainsaws. They're amazing. I love those saws, but some people are like, that saw is a little too heavy for me. Okay. Go with a lighter saw. Um, you know, so everybody will kind of find it's a preference thing. It's not a right or wrong. It's just a preference thing. And if somebody said, dude, I got a Milwaukee chainsaw, I got a couple of them and always have several saws. I say three minimum. Um, but I got Milwaukee and I got, a dozen batteries and I got a way to charge them. Great, nothing wrong with that. Arborist saw is fine. You want to uh, haul around a chainsaw with a three fifty Chevy motor on it that can cut through redwoods? That's fine if that's what you like. Um, but you know, for me, that two sixty one is kind of the mid range of you know it's got a, a big fuel tank, it's got tons of power. I can take down a full size tree if I want, but it's also comfy enough where i can kind of walk around with it pretty easily um i don't know that that's just my preference but it certainly is not the right answer that's a badass looking saw man yeah i, I, I just looked that up um yeah it looks real nice Is it's kind of the the middle of well i want lots of power well i want like wait uh i want this i want that it's kind of the, it kind of and they used to make a 241, and I own a bunch of 241s still, but they discontinued those. And I call, I used to call those the most perfect timber stand improvement saw ever made. But that's who bought it, was people that did timber stand improvement, and that was not a big enough segment for steel, so they discontinued it, gotcha. discontinued those saws. Uh, so I do love that saw too. But, yeah, 261 is a pretty good saw and you know for some people it's a little too heavy or this and that but i don't know i have a dozen of them and <laughs> they're great i probably bust i probably bust one saw a year mash it up pretty good or one explodes or something i don't know well i run i've run one over with my vehicle run mm-hmm. one over with a tractor so having lots of backups is uh For somebody like me where that does a lot of cutting is nice but i mean i am kind of slowing down on my cutting too as i get older and you know if i didn't have a ton of acres to do in hindsight you know going electric and not you know messing with my hearing as much um probably would have been a good route to go and i mean i wear the helmet with the earmuffs on them and i put earplugs under that those two for like two layers of hearing protection but my ears still kind of i don't know for some reason they i still think i damaged them some uh but maybe the years of being a kid shooting guns without hearing protection in the 90s probably did some uh, damage too so be careful with your ears be careful with your legs Always wear your helmet, please. I don't care if you're a tough guy. I don't care if you're the dude that doesn't wear your seatbelt because you don't care. Wear your helmet. You will definitely have something hit you in the head at some point. I don't care yeah. who you are, how <laughs> careful you are. Wear that helmet and chaps without exception, period.
1: Well, well said. I I haven't got my leg yet, but I had I had a, a small widow hanger knock me in the head before, so or Widowmaker knocked me in the head
2: before. So, yeah, I, I understand for sure. Yeah, you do this for 25 years? Yeah. Uh, ho, 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 don't, I'll just say this. Don't do this for 25 years. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> just don't do it. Uh, Yeah, hire somebody out if you're going to do it. Yeah, there's so many kind of spooky things. I mean, I'm really careful, but all of a sudden you're like, whoa, did that for 25 years. So, yeah, I've seen a few scary things. No, uh know. it's, it's oh, yeah. definitely a dangerous sure. hobby or a dangerous practice that you know for a beginner if you're gonna top stuff off and you know do hinge cutting just stick with smaller stuff like six eight inch stuff and, and under you know whatever just don't take chances especially starting out because you just don't know how all that stuff works and how all the the trees uh, you know you just don't know the dynamics that it takes it takes a couple of years to really get the, uh, top tier skill set with a chainsaw. And even then it's still yeah. dangerous and
0: listen oh. to your gut for sure. If something yeah. doesn't seem right,
2: <laughs> nothing wrong you, with double girdling things. Right, Absolutely exactly. nothing wrong with it. Right. Well, and any, any other can of worms you want to get into? I mean, when, I can get deep on that TSI stuff, but I mean, um, food plots, tree plantings, native grasses, uh, how I manage my deer. I mean, you you name whatever else comes to mind. I I was just gonna say
1: I we've already I've already had you for uh, about an hour and twenty hour and twenty five here. I definitely want to go down all those rabbit holes with you, um, but I, I want to be respectful of your time. Would you be uh, willing to come on again in the future? Sure,
2: I love this stuff.
1: This was this was really cool. We um we talk about a lot of high level stuff fairly often, uh, but it's not always we, we don't always get in the weeds as much as, as i'd like and as brian would like so this was exactly
2: what we needed um well good because i feel guilty when i get into these deep tangents where well, we need to do that more uh, we need more no. of absolutely oh gosh we we could we could do a 24-hour podcast on timber stand improvement <laughs> alone <laughs> yeah, heck, yeah. Sure. heck i mean that was that was already
1: awesome too so I mean yeah I think if if you if you're okay with it let's get let's do it again with another subject let's dive in you know hour plus on that subject and and the, and, and so the, on
2: the 300 whitetail I'm chasing right now we can get into that later oh Ron polo has got to run for his money, huh? I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me and Mitch, Mitch hooked me up with a spot. There's a 300 inch typical. It is up in Traverse City. Uh, I, I got to leave it there, though. You know, I don't want to tip too many people off. Mm, oh, oh boy! Oh <laughs> boy! I, I wanted to believe that for so
1: long, too. I really did. Oh good. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I do have a couple rapid fire questions for you, so we want we won't end it just yet. But if you're if you're good, I got I don't know five six questions for you here, and then uh, again I'm gonna hold you to it. We're having you back on for uh, you probably native grasses and then probably food plots again. So all good. All right, rock and roll. Your favorite beverage uh, at at deer camp or when you're maybe with the
2: boys? Uh, I don't drink. Um, so I like uh, water and meal. Nice. Mio energy drink, that's my one vice. Is there so caffeine expect- in that? Yeah, yes. Heck yeah. Yep. And I really don't need caffeine. I'm I'm very <laughs> a high energy person, which maybe somebody would guess. <laughs> uh, but that's my vice is Mio. All right. Uh, I and I drink about every day, whether I'm at deer camp or if I'm working or whatever. I probably drink a gallon of water every day. Nice. Okay, how about your favorite venison
1: recipe at camp, cooking for the family, whatever it might be? How do you do your venison?
2: Uh, I bring my deer to a couple places and I say, hey, I want this whole deer and I'll bring them like three or four. I'll be like, I want this all in jerky and all in deer sticks. And I'll get like two deer all jerky, two deer all de- in deer sticks. And then I eat probably a pound of venison every day. Uh, other than that so literally i eat this every day um other than that clearly uh backstraps marinated usually a buddy of mine will be like hey dude i want to show you this way and let's just do it a different way and it's usually never overcooked um and my buddies usually surprise me on a sweet way to grill backstraps
1: heck yeah how about fixed blade or mechanical blade broadheads mechanical broadheads
2: all right, so I did turn my basement into a testing ground one winter uh, because I get sick of watching YouTube videos that did reviews, and all my <laughs> all my results were different than every YouTube video. So I bought ballistic gel, uh, plywood. I bought bone. I bought shoulder, or I had shoulders. And I sat there in my basement and tested fixed blades and every variation of arrows and fixed blades and mechanicals. And I went with... I'm not saying it's the best, but I went with a one and a half inch cut Ramcat with a four millimeter arrow. So that would be a fixed blade, but it would have three blades and it'd have a one inch, one and a half inch cut, which for three blades is pretty darn big. Penetrates like crazy. No chance of failure, like opening up during flight. Um, Massive holes, massive blood trails, massive penetration. Uh, I do like the wider cut, and that'd be my temptation for a mechanical. Is like, oops, I hit him in the guts. Well, the Ram kick darn near solves that. Not saying it's the best option. There's a lot of really good broadheads out there. Um, a little bit controversial, but on the mechanicals, I know everybody has an opinion there. Uh, I was able to, to hold and mess around with a beast broadhead. A couple weeks ago, and I did really like that. And the quality of it was mind boggling amazing. But so I would try that. But I've, for the past six, seven years, I've used a one and a half inch Ramcat. And I have not lost a deer. And well, I've never lost one with a Ramcat. uh Yeah, I haven't lost a deer in at least a decade. They're when very say, good.
1: When you say Beast, you're talking Dan and Mario
2: Beast? no so there's a beast broadhead it's a beast mechanical okay. new and i messed around with that looked at it and just i'm i'm pretty good with engineering type stuff or quality type things i'm not like a geared nut but i just looked at it and i looked at it compared to like a rage and the quality compared to a rage basically i'll make it really quick the things you like about a rage they just made everything way better quality just mm. way better quality the blade quality uh the springs uh that open them the how they can compress if they go, need to go around bone and stuff like that is ingenious it really is awesome i'm and again i'm not saying it's the best out there but i'm saying from my point of view it blew the rage out of the water and i don't shoot rage but uh so i was impressed with that um but you know for the last decade my ramcat one and a half inch uh fly like field points and they absolutely just devastate deer downside with those you got to have unique quiver but that's about it but you know there's my answer
1: love it Uh, how about um what do you prefer the most on your farms preset stands
2: blinds or do you go mobile uh preset stands i hate hanging hunt i hate it um a lot of my buddies are great hang and hunt hunters. Drives me bananas. I always clank stuff together. I always start sweating. <laughs> um, I just hate it. My stuff is dialed in. Like the second season ends, I'm dialing. I'm setting stuff up for the next year. And I'm setting every everything's ready to go. So I do do hang and hunt when I need to. Um, but everything is pre-hung, pre-trimmed ready to go thought about oftentimes a lot of my spots have been great they'll be great 10 years from now they've been good since the beginning for you know 15 years ago on my original farm uh same spots are amazing i just got to keep them um safe you know i've got safety lines um i fell out of a tree stand when i was young when i was in my young 20s and that was not fun so safety lines make sure my straps are good pre-hung uh hanging hunt i will do blinds if i do not have good tree stand spots uh nothing wrong with them they are kind of comfy and now that I'm getting older 45 they're a little bit attractive <laughs> but i like having the full senses of just being out in nature in a tree stand or whatever um and just being able to hear things and uh, you know tree stands is still but maybe it's just because that's what I started with too when I was um a teenager so sure. my pre my pre-hung spots is the way i'd go there nope that makes sense food water
1: or cover you had to pick one cover love it favorite habitat tool or implement <laughs> and i think uh, you, i think you have a couple of different tools so I'm i'm wondering you know if, if chainsaw is by far the the go-to answer but yeah uh,
2: yeah, I mean I'm a farmer too, so you know, chainsaw and a tractor. Uh, I was in a skid steer today and I've ran tractors for so long that I don't I don't actually like being in a skid steer. I like, basically but I love being close to the ground and they're tippy and I'm I'm so used to being up in things. So I don't like skid steers actually. So a tractor and you know, for a new guy, just like a a mid-size, like even like a fifty horsepower with mechanical front wheel drive tractor with a loader it's just a fantastic tool i love it that's you know that's what i would that's what i started with way back in the day so chainsaw and a little tractor now a lot of guys are like well i don't have money for a tractor okay um you could do a lot with a four-wheeler probably i don't i mean i had that way back in the day i mean i did stuff with a weed whipper and a rake and a lawnmower it's a, there's oh, yeah. a million ways to do everything but yeah That's optimal sure. like hey i got a, i got a little bit of money um go buy a good used old mechanical front wheel drive tractor with a loader that doesn't have death on it can buy them pretty cheap uh they they'll break down way less than a new tractor without all with all the electronics and emissions junk uh and with a little tractor then you can do everything you can mow you can spray you can drill you can plant you can you know whatever so and I've, I've got no till drills and minimal till drills and uh things i don't have i don't have um rotary tillers i don't i'm not going to use a rotary tiller and destroy my soil i'm not going to do it um so sorry in the long-winded answer chainsaw uh and a utility tractor great
1: answer great answer last but not least Yes, this of everyone um your, your favorite tree could be to hunt out of could be habitat related could be what you like when you pull into your driveway at home curious on what your favorite tree is
2: um I'll go with uh I'll go with white oak I've got I've got 300 300 year old white oak on my farm wow um you know you think back on that and you're like Holy cow. Yeah, uh that's you... Uh, you know, that's uh the early days of America. And I mean, way back. I mean, there's three hundred and some year old trees. Um, and you know, they're cool, they're resilient, uh, they're so they're so important to the ecosystem. Um, oaks in general are just important to the ecosystem. And the lack of oaks al- al- around our landscape, especially Iowa from top from uh, top grading and stuff that went on after like the great depression and what people have done to the, a lot of the landscape, they've been just, you know, they've been targets. So some of those big survivors just impressed me and just how big and old and uh, just, there's just something really, really cool about them. So I'm just going to go with the white Oak and, you know, there's a million other trees I could list that I love, but white Oak's got to be number one.
1: Heck yeah, man. Well, well, well done on the, uh, the rapid fire. You passed, uh, nothing's quite long winded.
3: I apologize.
1: (laughs) They're, 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 they're good questions. They're, they're meant to be, I, we'd rather hear a explanation behind, you know, your, your pick. So appreciate that. Skip again, we're going to have you on again. So I'm looking forward to that very much. But in the meantime, if anybody wanted to come follow you, get a hold of you, see what you're up to these days, feel free to plug everything you got and, um, We'll wrap it up.
2: Yeah, I'm the easy one because I don't I don't do anything for money, so uh, I'm easy to find. It's not you know it's just Iowa Whitetail. I'm not a social media person, but I'll post stuff. It's on like Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and then Iowa Whitetail. The website is um, kind of my main hub where I'll check in. It's it's some it's kind of old school, but the dudes on it are hardcore. They're straight up. I mean amazing with habitat hunting pure information um and th- i do check in there daily so iowa whitetail forum um and it's got everything from 20 whatever some years ago back to the double tree stuff um and all of this whether it's the social media stuff or iowa whitetail, it's just there to help people it's it's purely there to help people it is zero to do with money uh, or selling things or anything like that it is pure information to help people who are passionate about this and it's uh you know it's a bunch of really good dudes um smart guys who are giving back and a lot of people learning along the way so you can check us out on any of those uh, at any of those places
1: yeah i'll i'll throw in an extra an extra recommendation on there as well you know your Instagram's pretty entertaining, and and then Iowa Whitetail. If there's any old forum guys, you know, like like Brian and I, that's how we met. You know, Michigan Sportsman Forum type guys. Um, Iowa Whitetails are a great forum. You know, bowhunting.com type guys. Anybody who likes the old forum feel versus the Facebook drama fest uh, forums are great still. So yeah, up. yeah,
2: hey. I like the forums because I after about five minutes of Facebook or some of those places with the comments like I want to pour bleach in my eyes <laughs> and I don't ever have that on ioi Tail because the dudes are just t- hardcore good dudes um
1: yeah. yeah yeah we we have a a pretty pretty darn good group on on Facebook habitat chat it's called um but other than that buddy I mean if it wasn't for the podcast and it wasn't for sharing pictures of my kids that'll like to see in 10 years, you know, probably wouldn't be a thing. So uh, I hear you. I hear you there. Well, But again, thanks so much for your time, Skip. Really, really enjoyed this. That time just flew by. And, and again, uh, you're not off the hook yet, so you'll be hearing from me. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for listening to the Habitat Podcast. Guys, we will be back with another great episode next week. I just want to say once again, how grateful we are for the listenership we have and the the loyal listeners you guys have been and supporters of the podcast. For those of you who want to support further, we have free decals being sent out to those who leave us great reviews. Scroll down, hit the link to leave a great review, and then email me info at habitatpodcast.com. I'll get you a free five-inch decal in the mail right away. Guys, I want to thank our sponsors, Vitalized Seed Company at vitalizeseed.com. Exodus Outdoor Gear, Packer Max Cultipackers, Morse Nursery, Acres.com, Downburst Cedars, First Light, United Country Midwest Lifestyle Properties. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat
4: managers. Through the Blackwater Bayou's and in the dark Louisiana night, floats a duck camp alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun Prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.
0: I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast.